Welcome to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans with Kirsten Johansson. Kirsten and her guests are here to help you stop struggling with your own self-acceptance and teach you how to love yourself unconditionally. Now, here's Kirsten. Welcome to GTO, Freedom for Humans, where we talk about the ways in which we as humans can free ourselves from suffering by practicing unconditional love, acceptance, and compassion for ourselves. I'm Kirsten Johansson, your host. Today is number 13 in our 13-week pilot of Freedom for Humans, and I am so happy and grateful uh, to get to announce that we're going to be bringing you Freedom for Humans um, all throughout 2023. And so, um, you know, I'm having a, just a wonderful time developing topics and material and connecting with guests for this show. And so I'm, I'm super grateful and excited that I'm going to get to continue to do this. Um, if, you know, if you've been listening to the show, first of all, thank you. Um, and second, if you're thinking to yourself, gosh, I hope she talks about this, or I hope she talks about that, or, wow, I, I, I wish she would have that guest on. Just let me know. You can email me at coachkj at giraffetangooctopus.com. You can contact me through my website and you can connect with me across um, social media at GTO Coaching. You can support the show. If you, if you like the show, um, we, we would love your support. Um, it is a new show. A couple of easy ways to do that are just to share the show with your friends or your family or your colleagues, people who you think might enjoy it and benefit from it. And also just to connect with me um, on social media, friend me, uh, connect with me, uh, follow me, all, all the little things we do on social media to um, grow our communities. And then lastly, if you have a business that you think would be a great fit for the show in terms of advertising or sponsorship, um, we are definitely looking for advertisers and sponsors because um, I would love to do this show. Um, I would love to do just do this show for however long I get to do this show. Um, I also wanted to just mention that we I noticed we had a listener in Moldova uh, last week. So, hey, Moldova, uh, welcome to Freedom for Humans. Thank you for listening. Today we do have um, kind of a juicy, I was talking to Rachel, um, our engineer before the show, and and uh, I said, yeah, ooh, we got a juicy one today. Uh, we, we do. Um, I am talking about something that I call anesthesia behaviors today. Um, and that's that's my term. And I will be speaking to you, uh, you know, for an hour about it. So I won't get into uh, specifically uh, why it's called that, because that will become quite clear to you um, as we discuss it. Now, uh, you know, on a program about self-hate and self-love and in this show about anesthesia behaviors that is following last week's show, which was about releasing your resentments and um, particularly when those resentments are whoppers, what to do in order to release those so that you are not carrying around hate inside of you. So I do need to mention that in the U.S. we we've, we've had a recent spate of um, of violence, and it's it's not new to us. And unfortunately, it uh, continues to seem as though it's um, moving in a direction that that is more and not less. And I don't I don't pretend to 
be an expert um, on this phenomenon, I do believe that it is not going to be a grand gesture that helps us to change this trajectory. I, I believe it is the healing at the individual level um, that will create change. You know, there is hate raining down in the form of bullets, and it comes from somewhere, somewhere inside. Um, and sometimes we suffer in silence, and other times we inflict our suffering onto others. And certainly most of us don't murder other human beings. Perhaps we criticize or judge or belittle. Ultimately, though, it is hate in, hate out. If I if I hate myself on the inside, if if self-hate is active in me and I'm I'm listening to it and allowing it to drive the car, it is it is natural to to not be able to magically have compassion come out of me. Um, I might be able to perform it, right? Because I care about other people and I'm empathic, but that is not the same. Um, and so the alternative is compassion in, compassion out. And so I do believe that this is important work. And if you are listening to the show and you are doing this work, you know, we're, we're all doing our part at, at the individual level um, to achieve some peace and some love. And we really never know what could happen in the future um, if we continue to focus on love and compassion and acceptance and not hate and revenge and division and all the things that, um, you know, we're all living with that are that are impacting us, right? Um, many of us carry around kind of low-grade anxiety and all, all kinds of things in our bodies that might be kind of confusing to us as to what they are and where they come from. Um, and there are many things in our own lives, right, that generate those. But also we're, we're living in a, a, a really interesting uh, time where we all are all impacted um, by the kinds of violence that we experience here in the U.S., and I know, of course, there are other places in the world that also um, have similar struggles. I will say that when I am in Malta, um, the flat that I stay in there is just opposite the primary school, big primary school in the village of Nashar. And um, I can hear the hum of the children playing um, during the days. And I do find myself exhaling there. Um, because I know that they are not, they don't, I don't believe, they don't fear an active shooter coming in and harming their children. And I don't think the children fear that. It's just not part of the culture there. I, I just, it's outside of the realm of of anything they, I think, would think to um, fear. And I find myself, even though, you know, I'm just adjacent to that, I find that the way my body feels there is different. The level of anxiety that I carry there is is different. Um, so those things matter, even when they're not directly in your life. Um, they still matter. So if you're feeling funky, um, you're not alone. All right. So I'm going to move on to today's topic. I was chatting with Rachel a little bit before we started, and I was mentioning I I do try to prepare a little more than we might need instead of less. And so um, sometimes I'm really watching my time because I want to get to all of this uh, interesting stuff that I want to tell you. 
So back to the anesthesia behaviors. All right. Um, so I started setting my goals and intentions for the coming year in the fourth of Ju- on the fourth of July um, instead of on New Year's um, many years ago, and I found that that as I did that, that those goals showed up as freedoms, not accomplishments. They were things that I wanted to be free of, um, not things that I wanted to accomplish or do or money that I wanted to make. That they, they were really. They were really things that were pretty personal. They were invisible, um, potentially to other people in my life, but they were bothering me. Anything that delivered a dose of shame, any secret about myself I didn't want exposed. I tend to be attuned to two things um, when I'm trying to change um, or abstain from something, suffering and confinement. I don't like feeling confined or controlled. And of course, I don't like suffering. Um, and usually I'm sick and tired of the pattern and its consequences. And I learned that reaching for an antidote or anesthesia usually delivers a secondary blow. Short-term gratification leading to long-term pain. Um, and so, you know, I had things on there like uh, in the food recovery program I was in, you could drink diet soda and chew sugar-free gum those things have chemicals in them that really gave me a run for my money. Um, and I had a, a, a quite a difficult time. I, I was unable to moderate them um, and because of the chemicals that were in them. Once they were in my body, I, I just I couldn't moderate them. And so I spent many years off and on, off and on, um, attempting to free myself from, from diet soda and sugar-free gum. Those things might sound completely innocuous to somebody else, but for me, they were harming me. They were harming my body. They were harming my, my self image. They were done in, you know, some of them were done. The gum was done in secret because, you know, watching somebody chew pack after pack of gum, uh, might draw the attention of others. So, um, so that is how I sort of came to this, uh, way of viewing things. So when you feel trapped, stifled, confined in some way, it is you who has the key. If you tell the truth to yourself, it might at first seem like it's somebody else, somebody else is to blame, or there are circumstances that are unfair or weighted against you. But if that is where you focus, you give away your power. Holding the power means holding your solution, which is holding the truth that only you know to tell. Now, the goal is not to eradicate all anesthesia behaviors in your life. And you're going to see that um, more clearly when we go through them. The goal is to see them and the role that they're playing in directly harming you and adding to your suffering and also kicking the can down the road on that suffering. Um, because some of them are are used to avoid, right? So um, you may choose to keep some and know their place. It's up to you. It's your life and you oversee it and you decide the rescue strategy for your own. And this is one of the terms I'm going to be using, your own SOS, your source of suffering. And it is an SOS. It is a beacon that kind of keeps keeps on, keeps on telling you. I'm suffering, I'm suffering, I'm suffering. 
And if we don't find the source, we never really throw ourselves a life preserver. We just keep sort of tamping it down and tamping it down. Now your SOS, uh, your source of suffering may be abundantly clear to you. Um, often it is not. Often it, it will show up as a pressure and a tension. Um, and it feels, it feels intense and, and gnawing, and it can compel you to do something to quell it. And as we walk through these attempts at quelling the discomfort, notice how no life preserver is ever really thrown. Notice how the SOS beacon is never actually answered. So the first category of anesthesia behaviors are going to be, they're going to be relatively familiar um, to you, and they're called the classics. Um, and and by the way, these are these are my terms, and this is sort of my structure that I've developed. So anytime I share something with you that's from someone else, which I do have something at the very end, I will always tell you um, who who wrote that and from where it comes. So the first category are the classics, and you will recognize these. Alcohol lifts you, blurs your reality, drops you, and in some cases poisons you into a hangover. Managing the hangover becomes the thing, the thing that cries for your attention. Drugs take you up, bring you down, quell your anxiety, mute your pain, offer an altered reality, not this one, one that exists only in your mind when your mind is on drugs. Food. Food fills you, starves you, shrinks and inflates you, nourishes you, and poisons you. You cannot live without it, and you struggle to live with it. A nemesis taunting you from, well, everywhere, and you cannot abstain. Sex. Too little, too much, too big, too small, too fat, too skinny orgasms and none, pain, a first cousin to pleasure, one partner, many partners, chocolate, vanilla, and rainbow sprinkles. Human sexuality can be fraught. You could abstain, but that is not for you. So those four classics that I chose, there, there may be more. I chose those four because they are potentially the most common, and they're quite sticky, and a person can abstain from three of them, um, if, that is, if that is the goal. That, that might not be your goal, um, which is completely fine. We're really just trying to find what is right for us, not, not what fits into you know, the scheme of recovery or the expectations of others, but what is right for us. So you might, yeah, you might abstain from alcohol or drugs or, or sex um, if it has become problematic and is causing you to suffer. Um, food cannot be abstained from. So in my um, food recovery program previously, uh, we had an expression that we have to dance with the devil uh, three times a day because we, we ate three meals a day. And all that meant is, you know, you're, you're interacting with this, with this actual substance in the case of food 
and also the behavior and the culture and the emotions around food. And you're having to have a conversation with yourself about that every day, three times a day to keep yourself um, from being pulled into the suffering that food can cause. Okay, so I'm going to do a couple. I have time to do a couple from our next uh, group. And I do want to provide a warning uh, for this group. I do make mention of some self-harm uh, behaviors. And I also do make mention of some domestic violence here. Um, so if that bothers you or cues um, trauma for you, uh, be aware of that. Um, I'm just going to cover one and then I'll take us to break. Um, and these are called the snipers, the snipers, cutting slices, punctures, wounds, and injures your skin, bringing the discomfort you hope to quell to the surface where it can be bandaged, stabbed, concealed, healed, repeat. Now, just a, just a word about cutting. Um, it really, uh, in my understanding and in my own experience, it is drawing internal pain to the surface so that it creates an opportunity to manage it because managing a, a wound is in some ways um, more straightforward and you can kind of get your hands around it versus what might be going on inside that is creating um, so much suffering that that is what is needed in order to continue to move through your life. All right, we are going to go to break now. You're listening to Freedom for Humans. We will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you tired of overeating, overspending, drinking too much, or being in relationships that drain you? Do you have invasive thoughts that make you feel bad about yourself and your life? Do you keep pushing yourself to the next goal only to find that it doesn't bring you happiness? You don't have to live this way. You can live a life of well-deserved freedom and happiness. Coach Kirsten Johansson is here to guide you. Book your free discovery session today at giraffetangooctopus.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Are you tired of overeating, overspending, drinking too much, or being in relationships that drain you? Do you have invasive thoughts that make you feel bad about yourself and your life? Do you keep pushing yourself to the next goal only to find that it doesn't bring you happiness? You don't have to live this way. You can live a life of well-deserved freedom and happiness. Coach Kirsten Johansson is here to guide you. Book your free discovery session today at giraffetangooctopus.com. 
stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans. Have your own story or have questions for Kirsten or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Freedom for Humans. This is Kirsten, your host, and we're talking about anesthesia behaviors today. And we just started to talk about the group that I have called the snipers. Um, and we we spoke about cutting uh, prior to the break. And so I'm just going to continue to move through each of these categories. Repetitive grooming. Picks a pimple into a flesh-eating crater. Plucks hair one by one into a tender bald spot. Digs at your nose until it bleeds. Bites your nails to bloody nubs. These conditions become the thing. They need tending. The SOS goes unanswered. Cosmetic procedures inject, cut, laser, peel, freeze, vacuum, ultrasound, your face and body into submission. Submission to the standards of beauty created to siphon your money and your worth out of you with the promise of replacing it with something better. The pain downtime and retreat from public view are all part of the exquisite pain of chasing what will never be caught. Slapping, punching, hitting, your partner, your child, your pet, a friend, an acquaintance, a stranger, vents the anger and gives it oxygen so the flame continues to burn. The requisite apologies, shame, Remorse and even criminal charges and jail time become the thing. Risk-taking fills you with adrenaline and endorphins and carries, if not the promise, at least the potential of injury, an injury that will require care and feeding to heal, an injury that will bring bring the despair to your bones, your skin, your muscles, your tendons and organs, and away from the other place within you from which you look away. You hope to purge this demon with every leap off a cliff, yet it always seems to come knocking forthwith. Next are the impersonators. Cleaning and organizing. Consumes your time. It takes your mind off of things. But what about those things that need to be handled by the mind? What of the opportunity cost of cleaning what is already clean and organizing where order already exists? It feels productive. It is sneaky. Accumulation brings new sweaters to join the old, new shoes to join the other new shoes, a watch to put put with the others, baubles for the baubles, stuff to fill the spaces, and the consumption of your time, your energy, your eyesight, your fingers as you scroll and click and purchase and anticipate and track and receive and feel something for a moment and then nothing. Humans become immune. Newness always wanes. 
Clutter surrounds you like a cocoon. The thing about a cocoon is that it's a prison of sorts. Not enough opacity to look out and see the world clearly, but enough to know it's there while you are here with the clutter. The world is out there spinning. You are amongst your things. Watching TV drains you like a vampire feeding off your lifeblood. One day gone, then another. You try to convince yourself that there is some value in the content you're consuming, but it's thin. You don't believe the lie. You are inert. You are hiding. The beacon of the SOS, easily cracking through. Scrolling through social media. Consuming the curated lives of others, inspecting their bodies, their faces, their wealth, and comparing your own experience of life. You feel worse, you feel better. You feel worse, you feel better. You feel bored, you feel lifeless. Is life on a screen? Maybe not. Remodeling and redecorating changes things for the sake of changing them, improves them for the sake of improving, creates problems to solve and fixtures to find and things to make over into other things, and then it's over. Can you allow it to be over or does something else need making over? What's going on in that corner over there? Focusing on other people provides endless opportunities to compare, compete, resent, envy, judge, criticize, emulate, and ultimately to not focus on you. To not focus on the nagging feeling that something is missing. Worrying feels productive as it applies to those real, imagined, or potential problems. It does nothing to solve to soothe, to accept. It fills thoughts and conversations, creates knots in your back, upsets your gut, disrupts your sleep, colors your mood, a sort of frenetic mix of thunder and lightning. Pets, soak up all of the love you are holding, acting as surrogates to the human connection that you crave. The connection you deny you need, don't want to need, embrace and reject and is ultimately left to languish with its risk, messiness, love, loss, grief, and wonder. Pets are life enhancers, and they are not human. They cannot adequately fill the seat of human connection when human connection gets up and wanders to the lobby for a beverage or steps outside for a cigarette. Next are the image makers. Cosmetic procedures keep the hounds at bay, the hounds of age, gravity, and the indelible marks left from the rigors of living a human life. They patiently take your money, your time, your immune system, your hopes, your dreams, and boil them down into simply, quote, looking better. They are hard at work researching, planning, and preparing to launch new and improved ways of making your face and your body new and improved. It does not matter that your appearance is the least interesting thing about you. It is all they are interested in. On this, you can depend. Your wardrobe defines you, demonstrates your status, your level of success. Labeling yourself with someone else's label elevates you, 
you hope. You wear your wealth or your debt or your worth. When it is stripped away, you are a human being in a human body. What is the difference between this bag and that bag? They both tote your stuff. It matters if you choose to care. It doesn't matter if you choose not to. If no one sees that coveted designer jacket hanging in your closet, does it exist? Money ebbs and leaves you wanting, fearful, questioning your worth. Money flows and leaves you wanting more, fearful there might not be more, questioning your worth. It occupies your thoughts and your plans. There is enough. You have enough today, but it, it doesn't care. It pokes and prods and reminds, garnering undeserved attention, always nagging, never satisfied, never quite enough. Shekels. Exercise. Exercise is used to train and sculpt your body into the chosen ideal. It is used to burn off what you ate, but it doesn't. It is used to punish you for eating and relaxing. It is tied to your appearance, not your health. It is not supposed to be enjoyable, and it isn't. It is a discipline, a rigor, a chore that breaks up the sedentary screen time. Photos. Photos have edged out experiences in a tragic contest of musical chairs. With each feature created to serve the photo and not the experience, a chair of real life is removed. Erase other humans that were present. Remove the clouds from the sky. Change the lighting. Blur the pores of human skin. When the last chair remains, do you really want to fight for it? Posting on social media triggers a flow of emojis and digital chit-chat, each kernel of attention received like a tiny hit of mock self-regard. Why this many? Not that many. Ding, ring, jingle, ping. These notifications set to measure your importance in this strange counterfeit world. If no one likes your post, Shall you go eat worms? And now we come to the crossovers, which applies to so many of what we're talking about. The crossovers both enhance and detract from your experience of life. They are the majority of anesthesia behaviors. They require ongoing discourse so that they can hold their rightful place in your life. Alcohol toasts the union of spouses and fuels a fight that breaks a friendship. Drugs treat chronic pain, making it bearable, and then become unbearably, dangerously chronic. Food, creator of life, creator of disease. Taking risks creates excitement, novelty, and experiences, and thrills 
all of which humans require. It is just as happy to fracture your bones, tear your muscles, break your skin, frostbite your toes, and alter your ability to walk. A clean and organized home makes it easy to find things. A clean and organized home can also demand more and more boxes in which to put the other boxes. So much so that its urgency conveys a certain import. But what about boxes for boxes cries urgent, cries important? Is it either or neither? There are brilliant works of art on TV, if you can find them. You'll have to keep at it and try not to get caught up in a less than brilliant, resoundingly unenriching work of milk toast. There are a few to wade through as you search for the brilliance or the wildlife shows, or you give up and rewatch girls. That is, instead of uncoupling yourself from this endeavor, and actively engaging with life instead. Pets, lower blood pressure, increase happiness, lessen anxiety, and provide a purpose outside of oneself. They are not enough. Humans need other humans despite our condition. That is the condition of being a fickle, needy, defensive, sensitive, grumpy, antisocial, social being. Putting together an outfit can be fun, a common outward expression. But of what? Joy, insecurity, creativity, resourcefulness, wealth? With an outside importance, as if what you wear matters, the facade has edged out the interior. The great bones that are you, bathe those bones in calcium, fill the cracks in your foundation, shore up those load-bearing walls. You matter, your bones matter. Your shoes, not so much. Photos are nice. They capture moments in time to share with others, preserve a few memories, and document our travels. They also edge out experience by becoming the point. Instead of the experience, the photo is the point. The photo proves something, that you are happy. See the smiles? They change the past by removing other human beings who were present for that moment. They recover photos not crisp enough to make the cut. They blur out natural textured skin and deliver a mannequin-like finish adjacent to human, but not human. They are a work of fiction, fakery, stealers of truth, or perhaps they are changers of truth. If you're happy and you don't take a photo of it, is it real? Using social media for documenting your kids' first day of school outfits, that long-awaited trip to Bora Bora, the passing of a beloved, your new puppy, your new business, 
Your major life change allows you to share your human experience with others, creating connection and sometimes even inspiration. All those same things done with the hopes of a certain reaction, a certain number of likes, a certain tenor to the comments, and one's value tied tenuously to these clicks of a mouse and taps of a keyboard, those reactions lighting up your brain like it's been stippled with sugar or heroin. Make a coffee date with a real human in person. Share your stories and your joy and your grief. You might be out of practice. Many of us are after these last several years. That's okay. It's just like riding a bike. The fresh air will do you well. You might even want to throw on that coveted designer jacket. It's a little chilly, and after all, it's just a jacket of fabric and thread and buttons. It does not, in and of itself, matter. You matter. The you that is you matters. All right. We are just coming up to a break. Um, Those are in no way meant to be exhaustive. Um, There are probably as many anesthesia behaviors as there are human beings. But I, I wanted to give you an idea of how tricky they are and how they are not things that we simply want to try to extricate ourselves from or to banish from our lives, but things that we want to develop relationship with and boundaries around so that they are enhancers or at the very least neutral and not detractors and causers of suffering. You are listening to Freedom for Humans, and we will be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Connect with us, and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
You're listening to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans. Have your own story or have questions for Kirsten or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Freedom for Humans. This is Kirsten, your host. And before the break, we covered uh, five different types of anesthesia behaviors, the classics, the snipers, the impersonators, the image makers, and the crossovers. Um, I, you know, I always want when I'm going to uh, open a weighty topic like this, um, I never want to leave you without a tool, a practice, a strategy, a process. Um, so that if you would like to start to address some of the, these things in your own life that you have um, some concrete ideas of how to do that. So that's what I'm going to cover during our last segment. Now, I, I started the discussion talking about my own longing for freedom and my ultimate rejection of things that felt confining or controlling anesthesia behaviors that have crossed over into harming you that are compelling and gluey and sticky despite eroding your health, your well-being, and your, your self-respect are the epitome for me of confinement and control. You need them or you feel you do and they harm you and they are difficult to moderate and from which to abstain. So what now? There is a, uh, an exercise I'm going to share with you. It is, I, I don't know. I, I have, I made a note that it's simple, but not easy. I think that's maybe true. Although I don't, I don't know. Simple might not be quite the way to describe it. It does take some practice. Um, and so you might consider doing it with a coach or a therapist or a trusted confidant because it, it does, um, it will bring up some stuff. So if you're somebody who needs some support and you know that about yourself, um, maybe seek someone out who you believe might be able to guide you through this. And I'm, um, I'm here for you. Um, you can find me in all the usual places that I will remind you of at the end. Um, so this is based on something I learned uh, many years ago from Terrence Korsky um, when I was a relapse prevention specialist, and it is an RCA, a root cause analysis of sorts. If we are to ever answer our own SOS and come to our own rescue, we will need to um, conduct a compassionate and honest investigation. Um, now, we covered that investigative honesty last week when we talked about releasing resentments. So... It is a it is a similar investigation, but it is a different process um, that I'm going to describe to you today. So I've chosen an example um, that is so ubiquitous and commonplace that there is an entire genre of entertainment devoted to it, and that is reality TV. And the behavior I chose is focusing on other people. Um, <clears throat> and that, that showed up in the impersonators, um, cause it impersonates as, as something that is different from what it is. So focusing on other people, talking about them, being overly interested in their lives, monitoring them on social media, judging their choices, comparing yourself to them, trying to impose your will or control them in some way, focusing on their needs instead of your own. Um, that is what I mean when I say focusing on other people. 
This exercise that I'm going to describe to you is a verbal exercise. So if you're not working with another person, or even if you are, uh, voice recording is going to be your friend here. Um, when I learned this, we all wrote furiously uh, as the person did the exercise and and were able to then capture everything that they said. But now you can swipe your phone and turn your voice recorder on. So um, I would suggest using that whether you're doing this by yourself or whether you're working with someone else um, works the same. Um, so you're going to choose the issue um, and you're going to create a sentence stem uh, out of that issue. And so um, I'm going to move us forward in the first couple of steps because the first few steps are going to be working through the things that are more surface, right? Um, and that's that's just part of the exercise. So I've abbreviated a bit. Um, so I focus on other people because, so that is the stem. I focus on other people because. You're going to repeat that stem and answer it as many times as you can until you don't have anything left. Don't edit yourself. Don't judge yourself. Um, people tend to top out around 10 or 12, but less than that's okay, more than that's okay. So um, so we're going to imagine that we've done that, so that, that I'm working with someone and we've done that. And the, the most resonant, um, the most impactful, the most meaningful response to that person was, I don't like to think about myself because I feel like I failed in so many areas of my life. Okay, so that was what resonated. And again, that person has probably said 10 or 12 different things, but that's the one that we've pulled out as the important one. And then we're going to create a stem out of that. Instead of saying, I feel like I failed, we're going to say, I've failed. Okay, and here's the difference. I feel like I failed at finding love. And I've added the word at to the stem. Or I failed at finding love. We want to take some of those qualifying words out that kind of make it mushy and make it clear. Remember our, um, report it like a journalist. Remember our compassionate honesty. I failed at finding love. I failed at finding a meaningful career. I failed as an artist. So in this next round, this, this client that I'm working with, um, has repeated that that sentence stem at you know ten or twelve times, and those are the three. Those are the three that 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 ooh, they feel it. They feel it in their body. They feel like those are important. And the one that rises to the top is, I failed at finding love. So we take that and we create a stem. I failed at finding love because so that's how you create a stem. I failed at finding love because I'm picky. I failed at finding love because I'm overweight. I failed at finding love because I have trouble sharing my thoughts and feelings. So again, this client has repeated that 10 or 12 times. And those are the three that come to the surface as the most meaningful or the most true. And of those three, I failed at, fi I failed at finding love because I have trouble sharing my thoughts and feelings rises to the top. Now we're going to remove the have trouble part, right? Because we want compassionate honesty and we can remove a few of those things. It does make a clearer stem. 
So I don't, um, I don't share my thoughts and feelings. So instead of I have trouble, I don't share my thoughts and feelings because is the stem. I don't share my thoughts and feelings because I get anxious that I will look stupid. I don't share my thoughts and feelings because I don't feel like I have anything interesting to say. I don't share my thoughts and feelings because if anyone knew what I really think and how I really feel, they would never even want to hang out with me, much less love me. And there, we very likely come to the SOS, which is a belief. The belief in this case is that I believe I am unlovable. We are trying to get down to the source of the suffering, to the core wound, to the core belief that no matter what you do, what you reach for, no matter what anesthesia behavior is part of your life or behaviors, most of us have a variety of them. As long as we continue to do those behaviors, it will only it will only put a band-aid on the suffering it will never actually get to the sos so that we can throw ourselves a lifeline and that lifeline is to challenge that belief i believe i am unlovable we must challenge that belief because if that is, if that remains, it's going to be incredibly difficult to cultivate self-love and, and self-acceptance. And so this is where compassion for self comes in. And this is where that needs to be explored. And so that's not a switch you flip or oh my goodness, that's the issue. I know the issue, so now I should be able to move forward. We do need to look into that because um, that comes from somewhere. And it, it can take a variety of methods and tools and strategies and practices to um, begin to form a different belief. Yes, there are epiphanies. And if you are lucky enough to have one, I've been lucky enough to have a few. That is wonderful. And also most things require repetition and practice. And we do take a step forward and a couple steps back and that is completely okay. It is the process that is important. It is the awareness that is important. So anesthesia tracks to suffering, suffering tracks to self-denial and rejection of the self. We wrongly believe, in this case, and I'm sticking with the person who feels unlovable, we wrongly believe gaining acceptance by others will be a healing tonic to that rejection. But it is our own acceptance that is absent and that can't be conjured into existence by practicing, um, can only be, pardon me, can only be conjured into existence by practicing love and compassion for ourselves. 
once we accept ourselves, we can readily or reticently accept the sturm und drum of human relationships, knowing that no matter what, we are loved and lovable and loving. And now to that um, other piece of writing that I wanted to share with you. It is by uh, Portia Nelson. It was written in 1977, and it's part of the work, There's a Hole in My Sidewalk, The Romance of Self-Discovery, and it's called Autobiography in Five Short Chapters. Chapter one, I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I still don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place. It isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter 3 I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I still fall in. It's habit. It's my fault. I know where I am. I get out immediately. Chapter four. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter five. I walk down a different street. Again, autobiography in five short chapters by Portia Nelson. It's something that, because um, I was early to recovery, um, it's something I learned uh, when I got into recovery and have carried with me um, for all that time because it is possible to walk down a different street. And that is really um, the mission of this show uh, is to encourage and support and connect with you. And together, we can walk down a different street. You are listening to Freedom for Humans. Again, I am so grateful to be here and to have been able to connect with you during this first run and to um, continue to connect with you throughout the coming year. Love yourself, free yourself, be yourself, and dance your own tango. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope we have helped you learn to love yourself unconditionally and accept and celebrate everything that makes you, you. Tune in next Wednesday for another episode. And in the meantime, dance your own tango.